With the exception of our conversation, the views expressed on this episode of Eric CDM World do not necessarily reflect those of Neil Chavalong Maloney of Astrofegs. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. It is Thursday, March 18th, 2021, and this is episode six of Eric's EDM World presented by Hitting the Marks Podcast Network at hittingthemarks.com. On today's show, I chat with Neil Chavalong Maloney of Astrofegs. And although he's not producing full time, we still found a hell of a lot to talk about. Now, as you all may know, I've been on an engineering and ghost producing tangent since I began this podcast, and Neil and I talked a lot about that. Mainly since the breakup of Astrofegs, which we really didn't get into until the end of this podcast. Neil is on his own, but he's still making melodies. And he's hired Alex Wright as his engineer to help him along with uh, his production process. And he's actually gained affirmation of doing so by listening to some of my earlier podcasts with guests Paul Thomas, uh, Jack Amon Hoy, and even Matt Thomas, where we talked a lot about that subject. Um, But we also talked about random things like what pisses him off at the grocery store. I mean, what pisses you off? No one really likes going to the grocery, I don't think. And there's always something that someone does in the checkout line that just irritates the living hell out of you. And our good friend Lee Evans gave me a suggestion on how to deal with that. And I'll share it with you. Uh, We also talk about his upcoming anomaly gig in the UK that celebrates five years of the Rich Miller-led brand's existence. And uh, we're going to get into his new collaborative single with Misha Hellshoot. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing that song. So you'll want to stay tuned for all of that. But first, I want to get into a topic real quick. And this topic is brought to you by JustCBDStore.com. Head over to JustCBDStore.com for all of your edible and vaping needs. And as a bonus, enter HTM at checkout to receive a 20% discount on your entire order. So whatever you want to buy, load up on $5 worth of stuff or $200 worth of stuff in our HTM at checkout. Boom. 20% discount on your entire order. What I want to talk about is a topic that has been sort of flooding our news feeds lately and not a lot of people know what this is. So I'm going to try and give you the down and dirty on what NFTs are. With that being said, I'm going to give it my best shot. So an NFT is a non-fungible token, and it's a form of cryptocurrency. Now, think of cryptocurrency as a fancy box that cannot be tampered with or broken into. And within that box, 
information can be securely placed inside. Now, what's inside of this box? Well, it can hold just about anything you want. It can hold money, art, music, contracts, essays, anything that is not easily interchangeable placed inside of that box. So let's think of a real world item here. Let's think of the Mona Lisa for a second. There's only one original copy of that painting. It can never be replicated no matter what happens. Someone could try to repaint it or take a photo of it, but that will never mean that it's the exact same as the original. Also, the non-fungible Mona Lisa will not lose its value simply because someone has taken a photo of it or tried to paint it. No one can ever replicate that artist's signature, the aging of the paint, the brush strokes, all that stuff. So once you have that unique item that no one can ever replicate, you're going to put it inside of that box. Now, NFTs can be sold on crypto marketplaces. Most NFTs are sold using an auction or silent auction model. So think of like Christie's auction block, but some are sold at a set price. So you have your choice. It can be sold at auction or for a set price. And it's up to the seller to determine which method is actually its preferred. Once you have that, it's basically up to the buyer to decide whether they want that unique item that you have for sale that no one could replicate. So what a lot of artists now and a lot of bands are doing is making albums or making songs where they're only releasing one at a time or two at a time that no one else can have. So it's like an exclusive item. And that's pretty much it. It's just a very unique item thrown into a box that no one can replicate no matter what you do. And then it's sold. And some of these things are just going for astronomical amounts of money, all to have a unique piece of that artist. So I hope that kind of explains it. It's not the best explanation in the world, but it's the simplest way that I can possibly do it. Other than that, as I was editing this podcast last night, I heard a huge thud. And I went out and some dude had driven his SUV into my neighbor's front yard and completely plowed into the car that was parked in the driveway. And that the car he hit, hit a car that was parked on the street. And furthermore, even, even before he did that, he sideswiped a car that was parked on the street two, two houses down from me on the other side of my house. The dude wasn't drunk. It was, I don't know what he was doing. Maybe he was on his phone. It was raining, but totally screwed up his car big time. And the car he hit that hit the car on the street, man, you really couldn't even recognize that car. So um, it's always something going on outside my window. A few weeks ago, the building two doors down from me was actually on fire and had about nine or 10 fire trucks out here with Cincinnati's finest, uh, along with EMS and the police. And 
always seems to happen around two or three o'clock in the morning around here. So it's always something. But anyway, uh, that's all I've got for this week. So stay tuned for my wonderful, wonderful chat with my good friend, Neil Shovelong Maloney. Right back to that. hails from Kjeller, Norway, which is about 15 miles north of Oslo, Norway, and I hope he's dug himself out of the snowstorm by now. He's the sole member of Astrofegs after he and producing partner Shell Kavanbull parted ways. And we delve into an array of topics for your listening pleasure. And Neil Chevalon Maloney, welcome to Eric's EDM World. And Neil, how the hell are you, man? Hi, man. Thank you. I am doing very well. Actually, did not forget to hit record this time. So <laughs> we're good to go on this one. Uh, last week, Neil and I had an excellent conversation. It was probably well over an hour, wasn't it? And uh, at the end of our Zoom call, I was waiting for the little pop-up window to appear on my screen to uh, let me know that the file needed to be downloaded and needed to be compressed and it fucking never came. And, uh, I looked down and it's the record button was not on. So they say that shit only happens once, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely. But you know, actually I, I, I'm, I'm not bothered because I, you know, I had a good time talking to you. So I'm yeah. just excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm as excited as I was then. <laughs> The thing is, it's just nice to talk to people, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the way things are going these days, you can any kind of social interaction apart from sitting on your phone and just typing with someone is is actually really nice because you get you know new fresh inputs and all that, and it's 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 valuable. Yeah, basically. Mm. I think it's something that we've all really missed this past year. It, it's just that. Uh, human connection where mm. um, it's one thing to to sort of cohabitate if you will with your co-workers for those of us who are lucky enough not to work from home but there again you're basically talking to the same fucking people every single day and, yeah and that gets a little old so 
and and very uh, you know monotonous, repetitive, and you know it's always the same things, and it's it it doesn't really give you the same thing as talking to close friends or anything like that, and and the whole social interaction thing, we've really taken it for granted. I mean, seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> you're just talking about the same thing every day, and mm-hmm. that conversation never seems to go anywhere. It's just mind-numbing conversation just to talk i think mm, a lot of a lot of small talk that doesn't really pay off you know yeah yeah so so since uh that the last time we chatted and you just told me and that you're looking out your window right now and mm-hmm. here in norway you are expecting about a foot and a half of snow for tonight and uh that is a stark contrast from uh, where I'm sitting here in Cincinnati, where it is currently almost 70 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 20 degrees Celsius, um, and a pretty damn nice day out here. So in that aspect, Neil, I do not envy you in the slightest. So, <laughs> well, th- well, thanks for that. <laughs> what do you all uh, no, do I there? <laughs> what do you all do there in Norway to... Uh, to prepare for, you know, a freaking foot and a half of snow. We don't go to the stores and buy all the toilet paper and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to do that. No, I mean, people just, you know, understand that like, okay, there's there's snow coming. We need to maybe get up a half, a half an hour earlier in the morning and get the snow off our cars. And then we need to drive around really carefully. Um, uh, you know, some people up in the northern parts of Norway, you know, they have polar bears that they ride around on so it's no problem for them uh really but no not really. <laughs> <laughs> you're like the fifth person that i've managed to trick with that oh you fucker <laughs> because i did believe you <laughs> i don't know what the well, hell goes on in norway <laughs> you're not alone you're not alone but no it's it's, it's a normal day-to-day life um you know they've they've got such good measures in place to take care of the snow there's like um i don't know what you call them in the united states i can't remember but they got big cars that you know just get the snow out of the road uh, what do you call it it's called a snow plow snow plow yeah thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically you know that's what they they do here and they uh it it, it works we yeah. just have to be careful, you know, when we drive around. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's it's just normal every day to day life, you know. Yeah, yeah. The uh, my quote unquote boss, I guess, for the uh, hitting the marks podcast network. His name is Michael Jargo, and he lives in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which is basically in the middle of bumfucked Egypt, in the middle of nowhere, that the Midwest of the United States, where they grow yeah. a lot of corn. And uh, he <laughs> he laughs a lot about how we here in Cincinnati or in our neighboring states, when there's a couple inches of snow on the ground, people absolutely go batshit crazy here. I mean, mm-hmm. it's unreal. I mean, supermarkets are just flooded with people. You would think the goddamn apocalypse is coming. But yeah. where you live in Norway foot and a half of snow is no big deal and it's no big deal to michael either so it's just different cultures different situations and different circumstances i guess for everyone and uh yeah. and what you're born into is just what you kind of have to deal with isn't it 
Yeah, it's kind of, you know, for us Norwegians, it's second nature. Um, Norwegians would struggle more if uh, I, uh, there was there was a summer, like, uh, I don't know, two or three years ago where there was like record heat all over Europe. Um, mm-hmm. And during that time, you know, you couldn't, you just, there was no chance of getting um, um, table fans, uh uh, floor fans there was there was no chance of getting uh, air conditioning units because they were all sold out so norwegians went insane and lost it because of the heat uh so that's kind of our vice you know we we just can't handle the heat as well when it comes to the cold you know it can plummet down to this 20 30 some places in norway minus 40 uh, that's Celsius, of course, uh, and and people will just go around, you know, their daily lives just as if nothing, you know, pack up, uh, you know, use a lot of clothes, and you're fine. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not comfortable, but we survive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you sort of alluded to something earlier about not crashing the that the local supermarket. What's the one thing? to that drives you absolutely crazy right when you go to a supermarket because the reason I asked this is right before we chatted I saw a post from your good friend and mine <laughs> Lee Evans uh, yeah <laughs> talking about let me see if I can pull it up here um got a lovely yeah <laughs> never ever joined the shortest queue in the supermarket if at the front of it is an elderly person even if every other queue is 10 deep, you can guarantee that they'll start paying from a bag of pennies, forget their yep. pen, or even spend half an hour being told by the cashier that they can't pay for gin with a, with a Madeline card. <laughs> yep. You think they'd Sounds, be, in, yep. you think they'd be in more of a rush being so close to death. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <God>. I wrote, <laughs> remember back in the day when people would, would actually have to write checks and old people would have to write each one like it was a work of art. Jesus Christ, just write the goddamn check already. And then Lee <laughs> said, you're from America. Couldn't you just shoot him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I, I can definitely relate to that uh, problem. Like old people like looking for pennies or whatever in their, um, in their bag of pennies. Uh, it's frustrating. But the thing that pisses me off the most right now i think is that people don't keep their distance mm-hmm. you know you're stood in line you're waiting to put your groceries on the uh, on the belt and uh, somebody just comes up ne- right behind you and basically breathes down your neck and you're like dude just back off please i i i, I don't say it but i might give them a look or mm-hmm kind of you know gesture that dude you're you're a bit too close and i'm i wouldn't say i'm paranoid about the whole thing but i'm kind of like let's try and you know let's try uphold the rules you know so that this shit goes away yeah uh so that's probably what pisses me off the most and you know when you come to a store and there's no uh pricing on certain food items because that's still a thing in norway that kind of pisses me off because there might be something and I'm like, Oh, I, I want to try that. Then there's no price. And I'm, I'm less hesitant to buy it these days. Cause me and my girlfriend were, we're doing pretty well, but, 
back when I was not struggling economically, but was more, um, how should I put this, selective. I would basically not buy something because I just didn't know what it cost. And I could ask someone in the store, but sometimes I'm just too lazy to do it. So, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> you don't want the, uh, the attendant or the worker at the supermarket, you know, to have to get on the microphone and I need a price check on aisle five or. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that's not how it works in Norway, luckily. So you can, it's, no problem, you know, asking how much Vagisil is if you need that for women or uh, <laughs> co or condoms for men for that part. But no, I mean, um, the, my main reason for not bothering someone in the grocery stores is I used to work in a grocery store and I know that they have so much work to do. Mm -hmm, if yeah. it's not if it's not really important, I won't bother them. I, I try to respect that they have a lot to do and you know, I remember it. I, I, I know where they're coming from. So I try to, you know, kind of respect their workload. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, it's kind of a thankless job, isn't it? Oh yeah. Damn man. I, I, I could tell you some stories and I'm never going back to the, to the grocery department. Never yeah. to work. Never. Nope. So what do you do now? Um, I work I think we landed on car detailing last. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Mm. So basically what I do is um, we, we get cars in that have been leased or given, I don't know if you can say given back to us. Well, sold back to us, I guess, as like used cars or cars that are going for leasing again mm -hmm. uh, for like companies and stuff like that. What we do is we remove any decor that is on the cars. We... Um, we clean the cars inside and out, and uh, we just ba basically shine them up to a um, certain standard so that it can go out in the market again. And uh, it's a job that I really enjoy because I can go around my business and do do my job in my own time, in, I'm in my own space. I can listen to music all day, and the pay is really good, actually. So I've found something that I really enjoy. And it's kind of ironic because I, I know nothing about cars. I've never known anything about cars. I've never taken an interest in it. But, you know, I'm, I'm there now and it's kind of, it's kind of opened my eyes for things. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And it probably affords you the opportunity to sort of be in your own little world when you're working where you can listen to music and, and, uh, and podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> and podcasts. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Who have you been listening to lately? I've been listening to your podcast. Thank you Definitely. very much. You're welcome. And, uh, you know, I was pleasantly surprised and it was so interesting to hear the, um, the opinions or the viewpoints of, of uh, you know, not only artists, but also like A&Rs, uh, people with um, challenges that they overcame in a brilliant way. And also, you know, um, a an artist slash engineer slash former ghost producer, you know, to hear what, what their views and opinions are about the scene and, and things that are going on. It was really interesting and I, I enjoyed it a lot. And I appreciate that. Thank you very much. So oh, you're welcome. What's been on, on the music front as in terms of you, um, for those who may not know, Astrofex is just one person now. And it is. Uh, we touched briefly on this during our last conversation. I wanted to 
to just basically see what's been up with you, man. Well, um, over the past year, you know, I, I haven't focused as much on music. That's There's been several reasons for that. Like, first of all, you know, I, like I said last time, my computer decided to call it quits last February, something like that. Mm-hmm. I kind of fell down in a pit and was like, because I didn't back up anything. And I was kind of thinking, shit, I do I really want to get back to it, start it all up again and 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 try to, you know, just move forward. And I kind of just felt like shit. I I I don't know. So I was really demotivated for a while. And um I got my motivation back uh late last summer. Um I had two releases last year, which did fairly well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had my uh, personal issues as well. That I, I Corona couldn't have come at a better time for me, to be honest, because it, it forced me to take a step back and basically take charge of my life and face things that I hadn't faced before. I had to do things I'd never done before. Uh, one of them was, you know, give up drinking because drinking was just my way to push my problems and issues away it was mm-hmm. a defense mechanism and you know when i understood that uh, it was kind of a, an eye opener for me and i wouldn't have had the strength to do that if i didn't have my girlfriend because she has been so supportive um yeah. so that took up a lot of my time some music was kind of in the back of my head but I didn't focus on it. Uh, I did my driver's license, which I aced, which was an amazing feeling. Um, Now, you know, I'm feeling more, how should I put it? Like complete or, or I'm not, I'm not, you know, fixed. I'm I'm still a work in project, work in progress, but all of us are. Yeah, exactly. But I've gotten more drive and motivation to do music again. And, um, I basically, and this was one thing that really um, impressed me by all the three uh, podcasts that I heard with Jack, Paul, and Matt, they were all agreed upon the fact that um, engineering is actually a good thing and Mm -hmm. there's no shame in doing that. And so I I do use an engineer Mm -hmm. because there are certain aspects of producing that I just don't, I don't get, I, I'm, it's far beyond me and I basically realized maybe like a month ago or something that I can keep on trying to do this, trying to do it all on my own. And like maybe, maybe in five, 10 years, maybe I might, you know, get a half decent track out. But the problem is that I just, I don't have the attention span or the concentrational skills or, or the talent to really do that. I know melodies i know um, arrangement i know what i want it to sound like stuff like that mm-hmm. so that's kind of something that i realized that um i have the opportunity here now to the, i have two choices number one is to just forget about it all just give it all up mm-hmm. and say well i i had my run or i could start to play to my strengths which is predominantly like melodies and um I was talking to Bob Bix and um, we we're talking about producing and he, you know, he, he told me like, well, dude, if you, if you know what your strengths are and where your limitations are, you know, focus on that, focus on your strength. So um, 
I actually work with um, a guy called Alex Wright. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's yeah, he's a young, brilliant producer from uh, the UK and a good friend as well. Yeah. Uh, and he 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 gets me one hundred percent. You know, he he just knows what I what I mean when when I have an idea or a thought or um, a wish. You know, he just gets it straight away. And like I said, hearing from three really big guys like Matt, Paul, and uh, and Jack that they actually encourage engineering because it's uh, it's a good thing it, it was kind of like <clears throat> it was nice to have that you know justification that what i'm doing is not something that's necessarily frowned upon because i've i've been worried you know that people would you know come and say oh you're being ghost produced and stuff like that and it, it's not like that yeah because i have i have <clears throat> the creative uh, spark in my music yeah. and i'm a part of it so, and in regards to music, what, what's been going on is um, there's a, a remix that's been done. Uh, we, I've been in contact with the original artist, and he loves it. All we're waiting for now is where and when to sign it, because we've kind of come to the conclusion, him and I, that there's really no point in releasing it now because there are no events and we don't want mm. it to just be one of those tracks that, you know, disappears in a Twitch stream, which I mean, it would be nice, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you want people to hear it live. You want people to be able to just stretch their arms up in the air and just go nuts. You know, yeah. I don't think most people are doing that in their homes while they watch Twitch. But I could be wrong. <laughs> There's a few. There's a few. There, yeah, there, pro- there probably is. <laughs> but I, I sort of want to back up here just a little bit. And, uh, and first and foremost, this is a very good show that we're doing right now for young producers, for, for people who are just starting to learn. And you and I really want to make something 100% clear here is that there's a huge difference in between having someone engineer for you as compared to being ghost produced. Um, yeah, def- definitely. When y- you have the aid of an engineer, you actually have an input on how you want that song to sound. Mm-hmm. Well, you understand melodies. You understand the chord progression. You understand song structure. You have an input on how the final product will sound. Whereas opposed to a ghost producer, you have absolutely no input into it. You basically hire someone to make a track for you from start to finish. And the end result is going to be the end result. So using an engineer, I have absolutely no problem with. I actually encourage it to help people learn, help people grow. Um, In my eyes, it's sort of like a mentorship. I think it's a wonderful thing. But when we talk about ghost producing and you and I kind of alluded to this off air, I have a, a hard time with people who use them, but I don't have a hard time f- for the people who do it. Mm. Mm. And that there's good money as a ghost producer. There's really good money in it. Mm. And I understand to that you have to make a living, you have to pay your bills. You can utilize your talents that way. 
I have a problem with the people who who buy the tracks. And and I know that's such a twisted, fucked up way to think about it, but I don't know. That's how I feel. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally get you. Um, <clears throat> like I told you uh, a little earlier, you know, um, I share your uh, view and I, 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 I understand it. But at the same time, like I said, for me, uh, the whole ghost producing thing, it's, it's really none of my business because if I do invest um, thoughts, feelings, emotions toward it, what am I going to gain? What am I going to win? Yeah. Except, except just building this kind of, kind of grudge toward it, and focusing on that. That that's just not. It's not for me. I I need to focus on me and myself and my music and and focus on what I can do. And that's kind of you know, that's a realization I had maybe a year or two ago. And that's something I'm sticking to because that's what works for me basically. Working with Alex, you know, he's a. I mean, he's a wonderful guy. You can go to transform.com, search Alex Wright. And I did a feature article on him, I believe, a couple of years ago. And uh, he, he's, <laughs> we actually did the interview. I think, I think he was, uh, I think he recorded it from his bathroom. So, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll check it out. Definitely. Uh, and, and, and about that, you know, the thing that kind of, um, gets me down a bit is the fact that there are people out there young people not necessarily young but people that might have a brilliant melody but they don't know how to uh utilize it and they're afraid to go and talk to an engineer because they think that that's somehow cheating Mm -hmm. Uh, that's not how i see it i see it as a way to express what you want to express so i think without you know any certainty of numbers or anything but i think there's probably several hundred amazing melodies out there that might never see the light of day because people are afraid uh and that's kind of sad so like for for me personally when it comes to the engineering thing i've come to terms with the fact that i'm never going to be a full-blown producer because i just don't have that drive and passion to sit and compress a kick for several hours or whatever and to be honest i actually know how to do that so (laughs) that was a bad example but (laughs) but no i i i don't have that 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 side of me where where you work on something for so long it, it i don't have i don't have the um the concentrational skills for it and i i bore really easily so melodies for me you know that's something that they just come to me. I don't know how. I can't explain it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of my that that's kind of what I want to do. I want to express myself with melodies, um, and to have it, you know, in a in a wrapping that suits it. That's amazing. And like I said, Alex, he just gets me. He knows, like, <clears throat> instantly what I, what I want. So it, I I can't you know, praise him enough. And, uh, if anyone is, you know, thinking about, uh, reaching out to an engineer, I would definitely, uh, suggest Alex cause he is, he is top notch. He is so pro. When you say that you, you have a hard time concentrating, mm. is that due to your ADHD? Um, yeah, to some extent it is, but it's, I think it also has something to do with the fact that I've always been kind of restless of nature. 
Um, I the ADHD definitely plays in, but I also think that I just I'm that kind of a person who likes to be all over the place. You know, uh, if you've if you've met me at an event, um, people that know me will know that I'm I'm here, I'm there, I'm everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the case in the future because now, you know, I, I don't, don't drink alcohol. Yeah. Uh, will I start drinking again yet? Yeah, I think so, but I, it needs to be out of, um, out of, uh, how should I put this? It needs to be out of the, 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 well, the right reasons for drinking, you know, not to hide something, not to combat something. It needs to be for the fun of it, you know? Yeah. And being able to say that, okay, I've had enough. Because that was a big issue for me. I, I would drink and drink and drink, and I would never really have that limit. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just a kind of a person who's like all over the place. And um, sitting down and working on fitting a pad or a strings into a track and trying to layer it and all that, it's just, for me, it... I just don't have that drive and passion to, to understand it, you know? Yeah. It, it, that's, that's my just biggest. Just to sit down and just do it. It's, yeah, yeah. it's very see, time consuming. It is very time consuming. And uh, in the end, it also will cost you a great deal with VSTs and uh, different uh, plugins and stuff like that. It, it is an expensive business. And I kind of just, I, I've, I've come to terms with the fact that it's not something I'm going to pursue heavily because I, um, I just don't have that drive in me. Yeah. So I have the, I, I, I have a passion and a drive to make melodies that hopefully will touch people that will make them feel happy or nostalgic or something like that. You know, that's yeah. my goal. Well, speaking of having melodies that will touch people and, and, showing your face at a club event. Uh, any news on you maybe being at a club, but not as a spectator, but as a DJ? There is definitely news. Um, Anomaly is hosting a five-year anniversary birthday bash in August, and I am selected to play there. If memory serves me right, there will be... 40 other DJs over four rooms and it's going to last for 16 hours. You know, I, I'm really excited. I hope it goes through and I hope that we can get it done. Um, I, I absolutely love to see my friends again to, you know, uh, party with them, be able to play my music, other people's music and just enjoy it. So fingers crossed that it yeah. actually happens and and i do have another gig uh, but i can't really say too much about that yet it's it's not been announced yet but the gig has been in that well the 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 event has been announced but not the lineup so i can't really say anything about that yet but i'm really excited about that one too i'm going to be returning to a country i've played in uh, once before so I'm, I'm i'm excited for the future i'm, I'm positive but you know I, I need to keep a realistic view on it. Yeah. So we'll see. Hmm. As in terms of anomaly, that's Rich Miller's brand, isn't it? 
Definitely. Rich is uh, is in charge there and he's a top uh, bloke, as they say in the UK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That brand is has uh, really blossomed over the over the past few years from from just a small event to, to what they've really created now. And, and I think Rich has done a hell of a job. Oh, yeah, definitely. So in regards to and not to delve too deep into your personal life here, but. How are you and Babette doing? We're doing uh, great, actually. Um, like with all couples, and especially now during uh, Corona and stuff like that, there's going to be tension because it, it just happens naturally. Uh, but we've worked through a lot of things. You know, a lot of things were due to me and my mental health state, uh, but we've worked through it. We found a good place. Um, it is hard not to be able to be social with friends to go out and party and just have a good time, you know, but we're, we're managing pretty well. And, uh, you know, it, I, I can definitely say that, you know, her, her support has meant the world to me and the fact that she's, um, been so supportive, it, it it's been, invaluable especially when you see you know the people out there that you know are alone and uh, it's kind of heartbreaking and then you like matt said you realize just how how good things really are you, it puts things in perspective yeah so it's 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 been it's no, been good no matter what happens in life things can always be worse definitely that's one of my favorite sayings in that because it's true um, it's it, as in terms of Norway right now, since you all are slightly isolated from the rest of the world, <laughs> what are the restrictions there right now? What's going well, on? Uh, well, we were expecting a, a national lockdown yesterday. Um, that was kind of on the cards. Um, infection numbers are, are going up uh, and, uh, you know, we're seeing... I think they were talking about like a third wave, um, but the restrictions are not as heavy and as demanding as I thought they would be. Uh, shopping centers are closed. Uh, anything non-essential is closed. They, you can't travel outside of the borders unless, uh, unless it's completely necessary. An emergency uh, they, or something, yeah. Yeah, and they also, you know, they um, they wouldn't they they try to tell people to you know not travel outside of their counties, which is understandable. Um, but no, the restrictions haven't come as heavy now this time around that like they did last March when they just closed everything down. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not too bad, but at, you know, at the same time, you can't have events. You can't um meet up in big groups of friends you can't well you you can't basically live your life the way you used to do you can't go out to a restaurant uh it's tough but you know i i see the benefits of it because i understand that if we if we just pull together and start focusing on um on trying to um abide by this kind of rules that are set Eventually, you know, the, the virus won't have anywhere to go and it'll die out. So I, I kind of feel that um, it's up to us to decide when mm -hmm. or if, you know, it, 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 it lets up. But, you know, the vaccines are coming. 
and uh, they're talking they were hoping that within like september this year everyone in norway would be vaccinated i don't know if they're going to reach that goal but i have to stay positive because yeah. a lot of a, a lot of of my gigs um well um, the, my gigs a lot of a uh, potential to actually do them is kind of relying on the fact that i could get a vaccine and be safe you know yeah uh, otherwise i of course you know i could travel to them but i would be put in quarantine when i come back home or maybe even when i get to wherever i'm going and that's just not you know that's not going to be any good is it it's not and i think traveling to and from any country right now with the exception of maybe from the u.s to mexico you're going to have to take a test or or do quarantine, whether you enter or leave or both. It's just one of those things that we all have to deal with. But but after we are finished dealing with all of this shit, what's the first thing that you want to do once this is all over? You know, the natural response would be go to one big ass festival or event or something like that. But that mm-hmm. that's not what I want to do. I, I want to go on a really nice vacation with Babette. Mm-hmm. And really, just enjoy uh, life and you know our time together and stuff like that. So that's what I want to do first. Um, Where would you like to go? <laughs> Maldives sounds pretty nice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, but 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 I'm kind of strange as well. So um, I'm I could actually you know we've been talking about Portugal. We're definitely going to Portugal. I have no say in the matter. And I'm, I'm excited for that because she wants to show me her Portugal. She's been there. Um, so I'm excited for that. But I also want to go to places like, you know, the UK again, um, Iceland, been there twice, loved it. And uh, what else? Holland, of course, the Netherlands. Yeah, we, we, we've got a lot you know, we want to do and see Thailand as well. We've talked about Thailand. Um, so that's another country, Yeah. but, uh, if I'm completely honest with you, Eric, uh, after all this blows over, I would basically take anything as long as it's not like Sweden or Denmark or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I could, I could get in touch with Sam Laxton for you over in Thailand and maybe you can crash over at his place. Yeah, dude. I, I actually I've been um, I've been writing a little bit with him about Thailand, and you know he says that things over there are completely different from the UK. There is much more control over the virus. They they respect the rules. They take them seriously. Uh, but um, uh, crash over at Sam's place might be nice, but I think we're gonna get uh, our own villa. To be honest, it's really cheap, so yeah, that's gonna be the that's gonna be the ticket. Yeah. <laughs> So while you're waiting to go on vacation, I'm hearing that you and Misha are working on a song together. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Um, he um, contacted me a while ago. Uh, I think it was mostly out of you know fun, and said collab, bro. And I was like, that'd be awesome, but I don't have anything. And you know, um, we kind of bonded over the fact that we. Um, we lost our dad, uh, pretty close succession. Uh, mm-hmm. it was my dad uh, passed away in December last year and his dad, I, I think it was, I can't remember if it was October or November. 
but we kind of bonded over that. You know, we we showed each other support, and um, you know, eventually, <clears throat> I um, eventually I came up with a melody, which I thought, well, this this sounds good. I'm I'm pretty happy with this. I um, yeah. sent it. I sent it to him, and he was like, uh, I can't remember the exact words he wrote, but it was something like, um, holy holy fuck of god this is awesome yes yes this will work <laughs> and um that was how that started um you know he's sat with the production bit of it uh I've, I've, we've been talking about how we should do it what we should do he's uh, he added a top line to the main melody which is perfect it's, it's just awesome and perfect mm-hmm. to the track we're still working on it. Uh, he has been in contact with someone who has said he will sign it. Mm-hmm. So we have a label. I can't really, I can't say too much about that, but it's a big sure. label. Sure. Uh, it's 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 by an artist that I really absolutely uh, have the greatest respect for and admire. So I'm I'm very excited about that. Strange thing about the melody is when I was doing it, I. I had this sneaking suspicion that I'd heard it before. And it was like, where do I have this melody? Yeah. But that didn't come before like a few days after I'd done it. So I, I, I racked my brain and I actually realized that it kind of sounds like the soundtrack from the day after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But I have compared them uh, and there's only certain elements that, that are alike. So I, we basically both landed on the fact that no, it's it's not it's not so alike that we should actually call it a remix or anything like that. So, I I feel that my conscience is clear that I haven't copied a, a Hollywood uh, producer. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what's funny about that movie though? Is that when it came out, it was so cool looking with all of the effects and and mm-hmm. and the world's coming to an end and and. and and a huge tidal wave swept over Manhattan. And yeah, I think I saw that movie about six months ago and I think I laughed probably halfway through it, you know, <laughs> just about how cheesy that movie really was. It, yeah. Um, in comparison to how movies are now, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get you. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, definitely. But I haven't, I, I haven't seen it for like a couple of years or something. So yeah. I, 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 because the last years have seen a tremendous, what's the word I'm looking for? Improvement when it comes to movies and, and uh, CGI and stuff like that. It's it's kind of skyrocketed, you know? Yeah. So um, I totally get what you mean. And I remember one instance in the movie that even back then got bad critics, and that was the wolves. Because they, so, they looked so fake. Now I remember the wolves. Yeah. 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 So they, now I remember they had, that. It took mm, me a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they, they got bad <laughs> critique for just looking completely fake. And yeah. uh, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> I kind of, every time, you know, I, I see a movie and I kind of see like, oh, okay, that looks really fake. I kind of just look past it and try to see the whole thing. Um, I'm a sucker for eye candy. I've always been a sucker for eye candy. Um, like what? 
Well, I, I like big sci-fi movies, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, Matrix, um, Lord of the Rings. But, you know, that's not sci-fi. But um, I read the books when I was, I don't know, six, seven years old. I have never seen or read anything from Lord of the Rings in my life. Really? Ever. Wow. I know. You got to check it out, man. I mean, yeah. uh, for me, you know, there was this um uh how should i put it uh, i was i was really excited to see what peter jackson had done with my memories of the book and and what i thought it looked like and felt like and and he just he nailed it completely i mean i've i've i sat there watching it and i was like thinking this is taken from my memory uh, i i i it was insane. I mean, there are a lot of elements from the books that aren't there, but it was like, I, I, I look past that because the, the main key ingredients are there. Um, it's, it's really weird that, that, and it's wonderful that that happened to you, but when we read something, we have our own setting in our mind of what it's going to look like what the characters are going to look like, you know, and then when it's actually, when it's actually portrayed as you envisioned it while reading it, you tend to take a little bit of ownership in that book, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I knew the characters before I saw the movie. Mm -hmm. So you would, you would be sitting there and trying to, you were, would actually be sitting there trying to figure out if they made the right choices for the actors and, and the characters and the way the characters were and everything. And I just, for me personally, with I had really high expectations and they were, I, they were surpassed. You know, the the, yeah. the actors did an amazing job, all of them. I I don't think there's one actor in any of those movies that I don't feel belonged when i watched the the, uh, the two hobbit movies that was kind of disappointing because there were elements in those movies that weren't in the book at all like why is legolas there mm -hmm. he he's not uh, if memory serves right he's not there and there was this um elf princess which is just made up yeah so for me, you know, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy was and still is one of my favorite trilogy movie things. But The Hobbit, really, I, I still enjoy it. But at the same time, I'm feeling like this isn't The Hobbit, you know? Yeah. So I don't understand why they went in that direction and did made those changes. And no, it, yeah. it was weird. It was weird. So you get into like American sitcoms or anything? <laughs> Um, my favorite is how I met your mother. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love, I love that show. And, you know, I can relate so much to, especially Ted Mosby. Uh, yeah. I, I, I always, I've always viewed myself as kind of a Ted Mosby type. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this past weekend, me and Babette were, um, up at a cabin in the mountains and, uh, we bought this game called Trivial Pursuit friends edition okay uh and i i don't i, I think i've heard remember. of that one yeah i i can't remember how many times i called her autistic 
because she knew everything. But it wasn't it wasn't a few. I mean, it was a lot. She was just I was blown away by what she remembered, what she knew. But then she said, "Well, you'd be just as artistic if it was if it was how I met your mother. You answer everything correctly." <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, how I met your mother. Um, I um, I enjoy other shows too. I can't think of any right now. But me and Babette, we're watching Dexter. We're watching the whole show. Oh, do that. I've seen every single episode. Yeah, and that is a. It is a phenomenal show. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. 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 Dexter's sister, Morgan. Mm. I think it's her name, Morgan. I uh, Deborah the, Morgan. Yeah. 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 I forget the actress's name who plays her, but but I believe she's from Louisville, Kentucky, which is just right up the road from me. But mm. but god damn, she's hot, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Now you of course can't say anything because Bobette's going to be listening, but I can say she's freaking hot, man. <laughs> yeah, you go for it, man. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not on your page with that, man. I don't, I don't think she's so that hot. So. Yeah, sorry, no? sorry, sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Fair enough. But, you know, each to his own. You know. Yeah. So it makes the world go around, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, you know, the, the main reason I like watching Dexter, uh, apart from the fact that it's just insanely entertaining and I love Michael C. Hall's rendition of Dexter, is that I kind of feel relief because I'm sitting here watching a guy who has more mental issues than me. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of uh, gives me a moment to breathe and think, well, you know what? Life isn't least, so bad. Uh, no, no. And it's like, at least you're not a serial killer, dude. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> see, no matter yeah, what so, happens in life, things can always be worse, man. Definitely. You absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Neil, is there anything that I've left out, man? Yeah. Well, you know, last time we talked, you asked me about the uh, history of astrophags. I did ask you about the history of astrophags. And mm-hmm. since we kind of got off on a uh, American television tangent here, I kind of forgot yeah. to ask you about that. So, so thanks no for reminding me of that. But when people see astrophegs with that S <laughs> at, at the end of it, they assume that it's more than one person. And at one time it was, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, first of all, you know, you've got Steve Hellstrip, thrill mm-hmm. seekers. Yeah. The He's man. one guy. Yeah, he's yeah the man. He's he's one guy, still plural. Uh, no, I mean the reason it's still plural is just that you know first of all it 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 costs so much to rebrand, um, and you know the name is out there. Um, I've got a name for myself, um, and I just thought like you know what, screw it, I'll I'll just go plural. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we 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 used to be. Uh, it used to be more than just me. Uh, in the beginning, you know, um, me and my best friend, uh, Tom, we started Astrofix in, I think it was late 2016 because we were playing at a gig in January, 2017 mm-hmm. and we needed a, a name. It's, it's a name which is part serious, part funny because you've got the Astro part, which is serious because we both 
we both have have a, a kind of a relationship if you want to call it that to astronomy we're, we're fascinated by it uh but then there was the fegs part uh which i totally get that people think uh, what's that all about so we used to have this chat group on messenger me and him and a couple other friends which was called my fegs mm-hmm. uh it was my idiotic way of uh trying to do a kind of a wordplay on uh, fags because mm-hmm. we would call each other that you know lovingly as a joke uh, I thought that fags was the way you would say that in Irish mm-hmm. um, I was mistaken <laughs> and so my Irish heritage would you know be rolling around in the graves right now if they knew but uh, no it basically means um cigarette butt yeah yeah so that when i learned that i was like oh crap but i i actually i did some research and i found out oh my god what was that i went on to urban dictionary uh, a while ago (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) yeah i love it too it's awesome Uh, and i i actually searched what fegs means oh christ i can only imagine yeah, so in Northern Ireland, it's cigarette or cigarette butt. Um, but in my dad's uh, hometown, uh, home state of Minnesota, mm-hmm. it actually means what I thought it meant. Yeah. So I was kind of right because in Minnesota, they would actually say something like, Emmett is a fig. He indulges in run hockey. He wants it in the butt. So (laughs) I kind of justified, you know, with that, but, uh, like the whole name thing, don't get me wrong. Like I love all of my, um, friends in the trans scene and outside the trans scene that are gay and they know that. So it's not me trying to poke at them or anything like that. Not, not at all. No, not at all. It's, it's just a stupid. And for those who know you, I mean, that's, that was, not the intention at no. all. I mean, let's just get this shit straight right now. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's definitely. a lot of banter that goes on in between you and some people on social media, but yeah, it's just all yeah. in. It's just all in loving fun, man. It is. Oh, so definitely. Let's set, let's set the fucking record straight right now. That you know, yeah, it's yeah, it's not what this is about at all. No, definitely, definitely. So so um, I mean, I've I've, I've fuck's sake, I've. I've basically kissed all of my gay friends sure yeah i mean <laughs> they they wanted a kiss and i was like okay yeah just small peck on the mouth and then like okay there's, that's what you're getting that's that's it yeah there's not a goddamn <laughs> thing wrong with that no no definitely not uh so uh yeah so back to the um uh, astrophics history tom and me did it for about i think maybe like a year or so and then tom kind of found out that you know what i i want to be a raver I'm not mm-hmm. invested in this. And I was like, okay, fine. That's that's cool. I yeah. respect that. And, you know, in comes Shell. Mm-hmm. And he was a tremendous driving force behind the productions. Uh, and he definitely did a lot of good. And I have to applaud him for that. Uh, he is He is so talented at what he does with producing that, you know. He really like is. Said, I mean, he was, I mean, the guy's a, the guy is 
very underrated, who slipped under the radar. And what I mean by radar is that he didn't have a lot of social media popularity, mm-hmm. but God damn, was he talented. I don't want to say was, I mean, still is, but mm-hmm. he's just one of those guys that just kind of slipped under the radar, it seemed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's always been very open about the fact that he doesn't have a big social media presence, that he's not good at it. Um, uh, I mean, he 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 could have made a crazy living off of engineering and ghost producing. And I, I, I remember telling him once that, you know, maybe you should do that. Because uh, last time we talked, you know, he said he was kind of demotivated. He wasn't really feeling the music anymore. I don't know what he's doing right now. I hope he comes back someday because he is extremely talented. He he can make any style of trance. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's it's a loss for the scene if he, he decides to just not do it anymore, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh, so what he contributed to Astrofex was just astronomical. Uh, he did so much, but at the same time, you know, him being behind the productions, behind the melodies, you know, I felt that I didn't really have ownership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would, I would suggest melodies to him. I would come up to him with melodies and he would say, well, you're improving, but it's not good enough. And, you know, I'd be brokenhearted and think, sure. shit, I'm never, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna make it. I'm never gonna do anything that's good enough. So basically, you know, one of the melodies he turned down was actually the melody to Babette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was hesitant at using it because I was thinking, is, is it that bad? Is it, isn't it good? And, you know, I sent it to Alex and he was like, this is, this is amazing. I love it. So it was kind of um, just that acknowledgement to me that, you know, you know what you're doing with melodies. Uh, Don't Mm -hmm. worry. Uh, The, the, I think the problem with, with shell was that, you know, he, he just wasn't feeling it and that's fair. I mean, sure. You don't, yeah. If you don't, if you don't personally like it, you know, this is like for me as well. I, I'm never going to release music that I don't like. I'm always going to be my biggest critique and I'm always going to be the one that eventually greenlights whatever I want to produce or, or, or release. But uh, I'm never going to produce or release something for someone else. Yeah. You know, so I could never be an engineer, for example, if if I ever had the opportunity, I couldn't be it because... I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to work on something that I didn't like. So I, I totally get that. So basically, you know, in the end, Shell decided that he wanted to move on and I was in agreement with him. I was kind of hesitant because I felt that shit, what am I gonna do now? How am I gonna keep this going? Yeah. So that was also a part of why I kind of didn't disappear from the scene but kind of just wait went into kind of like a hibernation and had to figure out what am i going to do well it, i think you kind of felt like your rock had left mm-hmm. yeah <coughs> definitely definitely and you know like i said i was always second guessing myself about the melodies and thinking can i really do this is this good enough and the whole engineering thing too you know i was kind of on the fence for a long while thinking is this the right way to do it or am i 
cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like I said, when I heard the podcasts and I kind of got that confirmation that, yeah, this is okay. I was like, wow, well, okay. I've been worrying about nothing, you know? Once again, uh, I do want to reiterate, you know, and, and, and this is something that I'll put into the show notes, you know, in, in that I think this is important for young people just getting started to really understand that it's okay to ask someone who has more experience, who is better than you, mm. um, hey, what do I need to work on? Um, and yeah, you're going to get shot down a lot. I was talking to Glenn Allen uh, just a couple of days ago, and and he said, "Man, I go back and listen to some of the songs I very first put out, and no disrespect to the labels who signed them, but God, they were dog shit." <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a learning process, and if it's something that you enjoy. And if it's something that makes you happy and you still have that creative input into the project, then nothing else matters, man. On the other hand, you just shelling out about a thousand to 1500 euro or dollars or whatever for a completed master track, then that's where I might have a little bit of an issue, but you know, Mm. I'm, Mm. I couldn't be more happy for you, and I'm glad that you are doing well. I'm glad that you've sort of centered yourself, man, in realizing what your limitations are, what your true expectations are. You're not going to be a million-dollar superstar DJ. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen, but you enjoy this. You get fulfillment out of it. If anything... It's a little bit of an expensive hobby. We all have vices. We all have hobbies. And if it's what makes you happy, man, then I'm all for it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, as long as I got the passion for it and uh, as long as there's room for a guy like me in this scene, uh, I'll keep on doing it. Uh, My main goal when it comes to the music is to, you know, make people dance, have a, an emotional reaction to it and, and just either, you know, feel good, feel sometimes, you know, it's nice to feel sad as well from music, from, from trance music. Uh, mm-hmm. Any kind of emotional response, you know, is, is good when it comes to, well, not anger probably, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's my goal. I mean, it, would it be great to hit number one on Port? Of course it would, but it's, not something that's going to be my main focus and my main drive. Um, do I sit and, you know, press refresh to check the port charts? Yeah, just, of course I do. Mm-hmm. I think everybody does, but it, that's just a natural part of it. You, you want to do good. You want to be noticed. You want to get the recognition from your peers because we, we know that most of, most of the guys that buy tracks on Beatport are usually artists or DJs themselves. Exactly. So, yeah. So, so to, to, to have a good placing on Beatport is always nice, but it's not what drives me. What drives me is to get an emotional response from people and, and just make people happy and dance. You know, that's my main goal. Yeah. Hopefully that day will soon come, but Neil, 
Always a pleasure to talk to you, man. Thanks. You too. You too, Eric. Always a pleasure. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Eric CDM World. I want to thank my special guest, Neil Shavalong Maloney of Astrofegs. It's always a pleasure to speak with him. You can follow Astrofegs on Facebook and SoundCloud at Astrofegs and on Instagram at Astrofegs Official. You can follow me, Eric Lake. That's Eric with a K. Lake as in a body of water on all social media platforms under that name. And of course, I also run Transfarm, which I haven't done very much writing as of late because I've been concentrating too much on this podcast. But you can find tons of articles and uh, interviews with your favorite trance artists just by searching any name in the search bar. And you can also follow Transfarm at Transfarm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud where you can find exclusive mixes from your favorite trance artists, as well as every episode of Eric CDM World. Next week, I'll have Matt Seagrave, otherwise known as Everlight, and his Blacknet recording label, and I'm very much looking forward to that. The week after, I'm taking a break. I'm going on vacation for some much-needed R&R. It's going to be my first vacation in about 20 years, and you assholes are going to be the last thing I'm going to be thinking about. But in the meantime, the song you've been hearing all throughout this podcast is Astrofeg's Babette. And the original version was played at the beginning of the podcast. And this is the remix from Nieva. And it's going to close out the show. So until next week, have a good week. And I'll see you around. Later. Later.